We're totally getting copyright claim for this. Nice. Hey, yo. I don't know if you heard or not, but here at Beerfield, we're doing a little survey. And we got to know if you're with us or if you're against us. If you're here for Beerfield Thurry, let me hear it. And if you're here for Beerfield Hop, I lost the drop. Damn it, that was going so well. (laughs) Oh, that was perfect. It was right above the booing. Oh, my God. Rest in peace to the bad guy, Scott Hall. Welcome to Beerfield, uh, presented by Baseball Sports Network. Because that's the thing I got to start learning to do now, too. I just got the Twitter yeah. handles right, and we're already changing it. It's just kind of how it goes, I guess. Uh, I am your host at Beerfield Hop. As always, joined by Beerfield Theory. Dan, howdy doody. It, it, it's, it's, it's going good. You know, it was a long work day. You know, you know as we talked about off air, uh, you know, I worked in your neck of the woods, sold a bunch of beer. Uh, but did a lot of traveling. Did, you know, I didn't have to drive, thankfully, and waste even more gas and have to pump up even more because, you know, gas isn't cheap. But, it, you know, it's 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 a good day. Weather's beautiful. Um, you know, it's it's disc golf time. We're all we're all ready. We're all showing off our new plastic. And you bought a basket, which made me super jealous. So I got a. You know, I gotta get. You know, I gotta up my putting game. I uh, showed to you all. You know, I got a new putter, super flimsy now, which uh, I'm starting to realize I don't like cheap plastic putters. So, got myself a little flimsy, slightly flimsy wizard, ready to crank up those uh, those circle two putts so I can not join the fucking you know pros. So, it's not the only one with yeah. new putters. I have two new yeah. putters because I realized that. What I had didn't fit my hand the way that I wanted it to fit my hand. So trying out a couple different molds here. P2, Nomad. Time change happened, though, which means that there's actually time for us to get rounds in after work now. And that's that's a major key right there. That's the biggest difference between when we can do this and when we can't do this is how much time is available after work of daylight, particularly. Hey, I see you got a beer there. Um, before we do that, we got a show because we always have a show. Um, we also have a website. Coming soon. Well, it's launched, but I have no idea what the URL is, so uh, I'll get that later and put it in Twitter <laughs> bios and stuff, because uh, if there's anything you should know, 379 episodes in, we are professionally unprofessional. Uh, we got to talk some legal tampering. Dan was worried. It's supposed to be a free agent reaction episode. 
Dan messaged me. He's like, hey, why don't we move that? Because this was really supposed to be a Thursday episode. We moved it to Tuesday so Josh Larkey could join us. Josh Larkey, um, unfortunately, crossing the Atlantic Ocean on dolphin back. So it's um, unbelievable. unbelievable. He's doing this for this for the third time in his life, and he's only, I think, twenty nine years he's old. Doing it for the kids, though. Doing it inc- for the kids. It's absolutely incredible the amount of money that that man he and for and somehow some way he streams it all on Twitch. And he posts all these TikTok videos on there, you know. It's definitely on boy Larky is a TikTok god, so pretty much. Um, no, actually, we're going to be on with John Hogue on Thursday. We'll be on the Superflex show. So uh, I got a homebrew meeting tomorrow. Normally, during that particular week of the month, we would move these to Thursdays. But we moved it up to Tuesday. Dan was worried we wouldn't have enough content to do a free agency episode. Boy, was he wrong. We're gonna boy, do was I. Boy, was I. I mean, just given all this shit we got over the weekend, I figured, all right, we're going to get some signings and something. We'll, get, we'll, we'll probably have something, but not enough. Fuck, we're boy was he wrong, but we are going to do that. We're going to talk some about how we evaluate uh, prospects as we head into the draft, and we'll do another hybrid episode next week. Um, So, really, a two parter uh, is we'll talk free agency signings. We'll talk how we do some prospect evaluation. So, as you hear us start to talk about these guys, talk about team needs, talk about the fit. You know how our processes differ. Why Dan might like a guy or not like a guy. Why I might like a guy or not like a guy. How we fold all this data into in together um kind of maybe you'll learn something from it or maybe you'll find something you want to fold into your process as well but before we do that what's fueling beer fueled dan i am drinking sorry i'm getting stuff posted on twitter so you can actually know i actually did share this out I did it. You did do it. I, I thought, sure. I was like, it's not me. This is weird. Anyways, I'm drinking Speciation. This is uh, Artesian Ale. This is a uh, microbrew out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. This is their beer called uh, Extapitation. E-X-A-P-T-A-T-I-O-N. Extap- expectation. It's not expectation. Ex- 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 expectation. Sure. Expectation. This is a uh, spontaneously fermented Amber ale aged in Norden Octavic barrels. Um, Bless you. you know, yeah, right. No shit. Like this is the most amount of syllables that didn't throw me off that I said at one time. So as you can tell, kind of that almost like a like a bourbon esque, more of a you know darker bourbon esque kind of color to it with that that later amber color. So there's a lot of shit going on in this. Wild ale, like I, I guess it's amber ale. Um, so I'll talk about that a little bit later. Hold on, keep talking for a second. Kids and oh, dad wife headed to the gym. I had to get the baby monitor set up in my, oh. <laughs> in my line of sight. Yeah, yeah. So it's a again, family show. I, I'm good now. Actually, you don't. Yeah. Have to keep oh, talking. perfect. I'm I'm good now. We we got. I had my cables all twisted. We got that we all got, figured out. We got through it. By the way, yeah, I I finally after 370. Ooh, that didn't tweet out right. Why didn't that, the link description's still wrong? The title's right in the tweet, but oh, whatever. It'll it'll be fine. We'll figure it out later. I finally signed our Twitter in through through YouTube. But hold on, let me see if I can fix this. Can I tweet this again? 
No, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe it's because it hasn't published yet. Maybe I need to start actually figuring out how YouTube works. Maybe, Maybe. we should start taking this seriously. 390 episodes, <laughs> 380 episodes in. Anyway, because I'm sure I've double counted one at some point. Probably. We probably have gotten, we're gotten, we're way too deep. Anyway. The sequel to Sum 41. I have Park Logger. This is from Schlafly. It's designed to benefit Tower Grove Park uh, in community conservation. So uh, it's kind of a fundraiser beer. This was given to me by STL Barkeep at the St. Louis Bourbon Society's uh, Bourbon and Magic event held at the Magic Chef Mansion last Friday. So support and everything. They were nice enough to come out, share some barrel picks, make some awesome cocktails for us. And at the end of the night, they're like, hey, you want a beer? I'm like, yeah. So they hand me a four pack of this. And I'm like, Cool. Well, as always, when somebody gives me free beer, they get a shout out on the podcast and the beer ends up there. So also, if you want a beer on the podcast or want a shout out, hit us up on Twitter and then send us something. But or tell us what you want on there and maybe one of us will run out and grab it or find it or make her yeah. see if we can order it in from somewhere because shipping beer is legal now. So, well, legal yep. for people that can legally sell it. So, yeah, we'll do that. All right. Um, we were going to use drops today because I woke up and felt dangerous. News. Uh, really just two notes of news. I think you'll have to help me if I'm missing something here. Cause I'm not going through all the road world pages of free agency stuff to figure this out. Um, two high notes worth of news, though. Um, well, not high notes. Two headlines worth of news. Uh, Deshaun Watson will not face criminal charges. Um, so the suits will be civil suits. The grand jury did not indict him. So, um, that makes the NFL, his trademark is heating up again. He's meeting with teams. He'll meet with the Falcons, I think, tomorrow. He's already met with a couple other teams. Um, but basically for Deshaun Watson, uh, it's likely he may still face NFL discipline, Dan. I think you thought somewhere in the the round in the realm of like maybe half a season, but you know it's not going to be like banned for life, suspended for a whole year. Yeah. What's this going to be? It's now clear on on what that's going to look like. So teams are are back in the fray for him. And as we know, it's the lo- NFL only cares about criminal charges. They don't give a shit about much else. Yeah, they know or gambling. They really they care about, about gambling, and gambling. they really really care about smoking weed so you know because you know smoking weed is is it you can hit a woman you can really beat your spouse but god forbid you, you light up a joint and uh ooh, ooh, it's over with josh gordon you're going down um yeah six to twelve feels it's probably going to be lower than that six to eight probably feels right zeke and uh and greg hardy both got six mm. for theirs um six would be right in line yeah, eight. Creamon uh, got eight with the video. Obviously, we can't. You know, Ray Rice got a little bit longer. Peterson got a year. Um, you know, for his, you know, for the the switch situation with his child. Um, it's very hard to know. It just seems to have a concrete idea of what's going to happen. They'll trade for Watson. They'll get ready to play Watson, and then finally the commissioner will be like, lay some shit down. You know, I'm guessing six. He may appeal. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm guessing six games is it's right about up the wheel. I hope he gets at least a year. In fact, I hope he gets kicked out of football, but that's not going to happen. So 
we just kind of have to live with that. Nope, it will not. The other news, uh, I'm minding my own business out on the disc golf course. I get to the car, and Tom Brady's unretired. The greatest two months, less than two months. I've been seeing all the, uh, I've been seeing all the comparisons to things that lasted longer than Brady's retirement. I think, I think my favorite one was the Kim K marriage to Chris Humphreys. Because huh. <laughs> huh. that lasted long. That, that marriage lasted longer than Tom Brady's retirement. Huh. Huh. Nice. Uh, yeah. Brady's back. Great for, uh, great for fantasy. Obviously great for all of the, uh, you know, our Bucks playmakers. Um, bad defense though. So a lot of, a lot, lot of fun in that offense. A lot of fun lot in of that fun. offense. And yeah, like they're going to return now. Potentially Gronk and the rest, the rest of their skill position players, at least outside of the running backs. So we'll see how the rest of that shakes out. But they'll get one, more, they'll get one more run at this thing with Tampa Tom, and well, at least one more. Who knows? Yeah. So he will be back. All right. I grabbed an old drop for the free agent part of this. I have no idea what Ooh. it is, and I have no idea how poor the quality is. But we're about to find out. Free agent friendly. Ooh, with the slide on at the end. Actually, that wasn't that bad. That was during that was, your. Uh, that was one of the better. When you made ones. all of our drops. That was one of the. I still make all of our drops. They just haven't changed. Well, yeah, I know, but that was when we, we were like, "We're the ballers. We have to have every drop for everything." No, I think my favorite is still White Lightning. I think it's so. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's obviously that one. Well, that one gets us copyright claimed every yeah. time. So <laughs> if the NWO theme didn't do it, that definitely You're right, will. Right. I played two seconds of it, and it'll definitely get us. Here. It's also, I think, our longest too, which is even great. Why not just go full bore? <laughs> this is what we're talking about and i forget who we found out was nick dan white lightning and why we put that on here but then we just used it for every white. jordy nelson oh was that it yeah i think uh i think something came out of a nickname and i'm pretty sure jordy nelson's was white lightning and then of course you know we all love country music and you get white lightning so I think uh, we that episode just played it for every player that was white to annoy <laughs> Nick. That must have been the a- that must have been the AFC East breakdown episode. We talked about the Patriots. Yeah, so. it was Jordy Nelson. <laughs> Confirmed. All right, we got some free agents to get to. Uh, the way that we're going to do this because this is how the side I pulled it up has it formatted. We're going to go team by team. I'll mention what they've changed. It uh, doesn't matter if it's offense, defense, skill position, whatever. Briefly talk about how it impacts them. Uh, starting with the a- AFC East and the Buffalo Bills, J.D. McKissick at the top of that list. Two years, $7 million, max max value of $8 million. Will almost for sure be used as a pass catcher. This pours some ice water on Singletary's value a little bit. As long I mean, as that's kind healthy. of been... Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of been what's what's kind of kept Singletary's kind of value is that he was he was utilized in the passing game, especially towards the end of the season last year when they just you know, fully committed to him as the lead back. Um, I still think they're in the market for a running back. I, I think this is him just shoring up. You know, obviously, Breed is not going to be part of the team. Moss, I think, could get cut. And um, just means I, they can I, draft Brian Robinson now to be the between yeah. the tackles guy. <laughs> I just think this may this may 
push him out of taking a running back highly and just keep rolling with as as teams should just keep rolling with with you know with day three picks get another lottery ticket at least and i mean yeah. there's guys that'll be there that that i don't hate probably in day three keontae ingram's a name that comes to mind is oh a, god i love keontae Ingram. is a guy that i don't hate that could potentially slip into day three um and you just keep the 49ers have made a good roster out of this take day three or undrafted guys and just find some that hit so well, I mean, they're all fit too, right? I mean, yeah. they they have a type. They want zone running backs that are one cut and get north and south with incredible bursts, mm-hmm. and then that's what they want. And that's why they keep being successful because you can find running backs like that, like Elijah Mitchell in the seventh round. Jake Kumaro on a one year deal that doesn't do anything. Isaiah McKenzie two year deal eight million. I tweeted out per Ian Rappaport. I tweeted out when this happens. It happened that um. Isaiah McKenzie is a name to watch. He's a guy that if I'm trying to make a deal for somebody and need a little bit more on top of it, that if I'm trying to get a player thrown in, I don't hate it. Yes, he's been in the league for for five years, but what we saw out of McKenzie in this offense the last two seasons is when he, seasons is when he gets a chance, which have been few and far between. He shows some pop. He took 45% of his snaps out of the slot. Uh, Cole Beasley's likely on the move. Yes, some of that will go to Dawson Knox, but Isaiah McKenzie stands to be the other beneficiary from that. And the guy's explosive. He can make plays. It's worth a flyer if you need a depth type of piece on your roster. I like this because it signals the end of Beasley and fuck Beasley. Um, I don't. It, it, I, like, I don't think this takes Buffalo up. You know, out of the realm of taking a receiver it, at the top of the draft, it does not. So I like Mc. So if for some reason McKenzie does survive the NFL draft and he can solidify himself in that number three role, I do like that. Obviously, he doesn't get a lot of he doesn't get a lot of opportunity, but he does play special teams. He's very good at that. That's why he got the contract that he got. Mm-hmm. And now we get to see how if if that'll translate to on field production. But he will be a guy that's. One injury, probably one injury away, especially to the slot. Um, that's what that he, could yield possibility to it because it's a such a high profile offense. And, yeah, and that puts him one injury closer to where he was last year on a high yep. volume offense. So that's what you want um, in your back of the roster type players, guys that you're you're getting to fill out your team, especially if you're a competing team in a dynasty league or in deeper uh, deeper redraft leagues. Roger Saffold, one year deal. Just offensive line, Mitch Morse, two-year deal. So investing a bit in the offensive line there. Um, so can't remember. It's the one thing I don't like about doing this here is where the linemen came from. Saffold was um, a Titans. Okay, so that's an upgrade. I pulled up uh, CBS's FF tracker. We'll at least give out uh, yeah, so previous you can, teams. So you can cross-check me. Where'd Morse yeah. come over from? Was he with Buffalo or? Morris. Morse. Morse. Like Morse code. Yeah. M-O-R-S-E. Who took him? I don't see. Is he Buffalo? Buffalo. I don't see him on the tracker for CBS. Uh, oh, it's an extension. So he was already there. My bad. Yeah. That's probably why. So Saffold's an upgrade, though, at guard for the running game. Uh, Tim Settle, defensive tackle, two years, $9 million, uh, And Saran Neal, whatever that is, three-year deal. So <laughs> it's Buffalo so far. On to Miami. Teddy Bridgewater, $1 million, or one-year deal, $6.5 million fully guaranteed, worth up to $10 million with incentives. 
uh, likely means Brissett will not be the backup there. Bridgewater and Tua. Um, we'll have to wait and see if they make Spider-Man this. Spider-Man meme, almost. Yeah, pretty much. We'll have to see if they make this a, a full-blown competition or if he's just there to to back up and, and mentor. So we'll see. We'll see what they do. Um, he will have a shot to start at some point if Tua camp does not perform, but we'll see what they do at camp. You're not moving for Bridgewater, though. No, I fully. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Noah's Bridgewater was was signed to be a backup there. So yeah. as long as Tua doesn't get hurt or doesn't truly suck, and don't mm-hmm. expect like Brissett type packages to it. I mean, obviously, Bridgewater is not built like Brissett. Yep. Um, moving on, let's see. Chase Edmonds, two-year deal, twelve point six million contract. He immediately, as of today, is the starter there. Uh, I love this move. It's a love great it. move for Miami. It's a good move for Edmonds. Um, you actually have a cell window in Dynasty now, though, too, because he, right now, as of today, as we're recording this episode, he is a starter. I don't think this precludes Miami from taking another running back if they want to. Um. But he fits what the 49ers did. Remember Mike McDaniel, the new coach from Miami? Yep. Edmonds fits what the 49ers did. He's the type of back that fits that scheme. Um, absolutely love it from a productivity standpoint. I don't know that it's a long-term solution. Um, it's just a two-year deal. So if you're rebuilding and have Chase Edmonds, you have a window to probably maximize your value right now before something goes wrong. Um, while all the hype is here, but I really like that move. I like the landing spot. I like the type of back. I mean, he's a. I mean, he's just on the smaller, you know, frame side. But he's an all-purpose back. Showed that before his injury early in the season last year that cost him to miss mid part of the season, which helped, you know, promote Connor into the role that he got. And I, I, I love Edmonds' deal far more compared to what James Connor got. Um, and and it's it, it, and he was the first running back taken or not taken. He was the first running back plucked, and it was McDaniel's first running back chosen to fit in this offense. Um, that does speak volumes to it. Uh, is he going to move fly up the boards? No, but he should start the season as you said as starter. I think they're going to add him, add up backs in day three. I think McDaniel's will will take what he learned from from Shanahan and apply that to the situation now. So Edmonds, to me, as long as he can stay healthy, doesn't obviously have the size. Hopefully he can, but it's wheels up. This is um, this is a great move, and I think for those uh, championship you know, teams that you know, that are vying to rebuild their roster now for the end of the season, sort of the season, this is a this is a good target. And, and yes, if you're not a competitive team, this is a sell window. Preston Williams, one-year deal, $2 million. That's just kind of prove-it range. He's been hurt. So see if they can recapture any of the magic from his rookie year. Uh, not the only move they made. A little disappointed in this one, actually. It's kind of the anti-Chase Edmonds signing here. Cedric Wilson, three years, $22.8 million deal, uh, 12.75 fully guaranteed. The reason this is disappointing is because people were uh, – hoping for a massive bump for Wilson and Dallas. He now lands in Miami skill set, very similar to that of Jalen Waddle. Yeah. I, you know, Waddle, will, I mean, I think it, it it's going to give him a viable number two. I still think Miami still in the market, especially in the draft. It's an NFL class. It's an yeah. NFL upgrade for fantasy. It throws some water on at the end of last season, where I think a lot of people wanted Wilson to be or thought he would be after he signed. 
why they're not pulling up any. Anyways, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. So, yeah, Wilson, good in in relief duty as the Cowboys dealt with a ton of injuries at the receiver position, particularly to Gallup and effectiveness from Cooper. Um, very productive. Uh, there were I actually have a write up on him if you were trying to pull up player profiler about why I liked him so much. Um, because it's there's some pretty underlying things with with Cedric Wilson, but landing in Miami, you know, this does two things, and I don't think it's good for fantasy for either guy. The hope for Waddle was that they would use him further from the line of scrimmage than what they did last year, because his A dot was was absolutely terrible for a guy that should be a field stretcher. And then you bring in Wilson, who by trade is another field stretcher. Now he's not one trick; he can work middle of the field too. Um, but it kind of both guys being there, similar style of player, you know, is there going to be enough volume? Especially knowing that Mike McDaniel coming out of the 49ers system, which wants to be run first, it, it, it does hurt that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe we'll see similar uses to how they wanted to use Ayuk and, and Samuel, obviously both, uh, Waddle and, and Wilson are not built to, to the same size as those two, but yeah. um, this again, this was early on in the free agency move. There's there's clearly there's clearly an idea that they have for him. It's just whether or not volume is going to dictate that. I think Waddle's fine. I think he just, I mean, it's still not a number one. Maybe they'll still draft somebody. Yeah, to you know to be the alpha. I don't think. I just don't think Waddle's built to be an alpha um and and if they may try to you know you know figure this out but i think wilson's brought in to kind of be that bridge to it and and we'll see how it is supposed to mesh we will i i yeah it's not the worst thing in the world but it it, i don't know it's disappointing for somebody that could have seen a massive value jump mike gasicki signed his franchise tag so he'll be there again too which doesn't do much for target volume and what figures to be a low volume offense. I think Agatseki's not great, but maybe they'll use him like Kittle. We'll see. Connor Williams, two-year, $14 million deal, 7.5 fully guaranteed offensive guard. Um, now time for our favorite game. Is that a free agent signing or an extension? Uh, free agent. He's from Dallas. Dallas? So, I, I played ball at Texas. No, no, Dallas, ago. Dallas had... A solid O-line. I don't know if he was a starter there or not. Could be an upgrade. Emmanuel Agba re-signed. Um, very good at the line of scrimmage. Duke Riley and Landon Roberts. Uh, Duke Riley linebacker upgrade. So not a lot of needle movers there. Chase Edmonds being the biggest one. Any other thoughts on the Dolphins? Nope. Okay, Patriots. Not doing much of anything. I do like the James White signing. Re-signed it. Yeah, they re-signed James White, two years, five million. They re-signed Brian Hoyer, two years. James Ferentz, uh, he's a lineman. Mac Wilson, uh, trade from the Cleveland Browns in exchange for Chase Winovich. So Winovich goes to Cleveland. Um, and Mac Wilson coming over to the Patri- Patriots. Devin McCourty, one-year deal. Nick Folk, two-year deal. Uh, Matthew Slater, special teamer primarily, uh, one-year deal. So. Nothing really to talk about there. All the same. Uh, the Jets, they brought back Braxton Berrios two years, $12 million. That says that they see him as the future 
slot guy, essentially, or at least a bridge slot guy. So, eh, low volume, don't love it. Tevin Coleman coming back, that doesn't really do anything. He'll be depth, I think. Yep. Connor McDermott re-signing. They did sign Lincoln Tomlinson. Um, big money deal, three years, forty million, twenty-seven million guaranteed. That's, that's a good move. Help yeah. bolster that that offensive line for the running game. For the running game, and whoever they bring in to complement Michael Carter, who will be good again this year as well. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Shepard re-signing DJ Reed, cornerback upgrade, signing three years, thirty-three million. So, uh, as well as Jordan Whitehead, former Buck. So. Some secondary upgrades there, and Lamarcus Joyner, who resigned. So, doing a little bit to solidify the secondary there in New York. Oh, CJ, CJ Uzama, too. Uzama. Yep, that'll be a Herndon replacement. Gives him another kind of weapon. Three years, twenty-four million. Tight ends are getting paid. Got a question? What's that? Jack wants to know. Shout out to Jack in the chat. What's up, Jack? I feel like once we get like once we joined up you know with the network people came back they're like fuck yeah beer field making moves jack wants to know would you trade he wants he's thinking about moving barkley okay and he's looking at a trade of etn and a first he didn't say what year the first is and if it's single or super flex i'm asking see what we get but right now barkley for etn and a first i would do that if I, I would trade Barkley for that. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I would too. Um, looking over Barkley's profile for the last couple seasons and the injury history and everything, I think that the ceiling you can hope for from Barkley was his sophomore year, not his, not his rookie year. And his sophomore year was, was solid, but it wasn't necessarily elite tier or elite level. Um, yeah. So with the first round pick and then – you know, ETN, who is still a little bit, as far as the NFL goes, black box, but gets a fresh look in, in Jacksonville and should have plenty of receiving work at minimum. I think that whatever that first round pick turns into, you're probably going to end up better looking long term than with Saquon. Um, last year, it looked like all the explosiveness had been zapped. Um, and I don't think that he's never going to produce again, but the elite stuff we saw as rookie season, I don't think will come back. I think that the sophomore year, high volume, low efficiency type stuff is, is more realistic and the value you're getting, I think would be better than that. I think that's okay. So there's been early off season rumors that, that the giants are looking to try to potentially move Barkley. Um, that's kind of the game here, right? I think it's time in New York's done. He's playing into his fifth year option here. Um, do you hold him until they, till he lands somewhere I, maybe for a little bit? There's a part of me that wants to see if, if a trade happens. Cause I totally see. So Jack said, so the picks this year at the one Oh five and the 12 team league, but okay, we'll get to that part in a second. I, 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 there's a part of me that sees if a team trades for Barkley, it's a team that's looking to make a, a jump up, right? The, the bucks, if they don't get for back, if they can afford his fifth year option, which is I think like seven and a half million. The Chiefs potentially. They're 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 I mean Buffalo even like I don't see some random middle of the road team making a move for you know for Barkley. Yeah. And 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 Barkley's still one of the greatest profiles we've seen. And not every player can make a remarkable comeback from an ACL tear and the multiple other injuries that he's dealt with. So he just may have needed a 
a full year of recovery and a change of scenery. Um, there's a part of me that would say wait to make this move until it's something that becomes more definitive about it. And well, he's, but he's going to be on a new team next year, I think, after this season, anyways. And that's and, that's the point I think I wanted to get to as well that. The value of Barkley is not likely to change downward throughout the offseason. The Giants aren't going to mm-hmm. go draft someone or sign someone that makes that makes Saquon's value tank. So you're basically at the floor of what you would expect his value to be between now and the start of the season. And it's really the same thing for ETN. As long as he doesn't get hurt again, his value really isn't going to move all that much either. And if it does it may move down a little bit if they bring somebody else in um, where you can potentially ask for a little more. But if a Barkley trade happens to a contender, that value is going to skyrocket through the roof and you may be able to capitalize on this even more. Now, the trade-off for that, that may happen during the draft or after. Um, I don't know when your rookie draft is, so let's talk about that 105 pick. That 105 pick will likely have you out on Hall. It'll likely have you out on Walker. It'll likely have you out on... And it's also a single QB. So, so you're not going to get the value bump from the quarterbacks being so propped figure up. Your Hall, Walker, Burks. London, Wilson. London, Wilson. So you're looking at, depending on how people value those wide receivers, probably one of the upper echelon of wide receivers there. Uh, if I had to guess. Yeah. Which... Again, I think the wide receivers having a longer shelf life, depending on where your team is. I I, do, I don't hate getting young wide receivers in, especially young wide receivers that could become, you know, perennial top twelve type of receivers because it's just extra currency. So yeah, I think you. I, I think that the trade now, as it stands, it's fine. I think that I think that if a trade happens mid off season, you could get even more. This is being rumored right now, and I don't think that. Barkley's value is going to get any worse throughout the offseason. I think for this, I think you can wait. And even if your rookie draft goes, that means you can handpick the player you want to have alongside ETN, or you get to trade for a random 23 first, which is 10, to, which was what we hear from the Debbie community and from people who look beyond just, just you know, a current offseason year. That rookie class is supposed to be significantly better from an overall standpoint and then potentially depth wise from the running back class, which is essentially what we want to aim for. So yeah, there's no need to rush into a deal. Um, We're going to see a lot of uh, value of fluctuations with free agency, with rumors that come from it, wherever Watson lands is going to bump up somebody, bump up people. And then obviously the NFL draft, you don't need to, uh, Especially if you have a later rookie draft, you don't. There's no need to to rush with Barkley. Kind of wait to see how the dominoes fall with him, because like you said, his value isn't going to tank anywhere. Like, like there's not a player that the Giants are going to likely bring in or draft that's going to negatively impact Barkley's value for this year. I'd be shocked. I mean, it could it, it could happen. But I just don't think it will. I don't think it will. I'd say that that's very a very minuscule. Opera chance. Anyway, uh, thank you for the question. As a reminder, if you're listening on the pod, if you're listening to the podcast, not on YouTube, you too can ask us questions. Beerfield podcast on on YouTube. Come hang out. Come check it out. Uh, 
like, subscribe, hit the notification icon, figure out when we go live. It's usually sometime between Tuesday and Thursday around 8 p.m. Marcus Williams, five-year, $70 million deal with uh, Ravens, the little upgraded safety. They needed it. This is, yeah, I, I have my very fond memory of, of Marcus Williams and uh, being on the negative end of the of the Minneapolis miracle. So he, he has said he's, he, he is a very good safety. Mm-hmm. Um, Saints are just very, very much trapped for cat um, and are trying to get in on the Watson deal. So it always felt like Williams was always going to cost significantly more than what they could afford. So it's a good move for Baltimore who needs to shore up the secondary and usually needs to shore up the defense. So I like this move. Cincinnati is needing to shore up things, need to shore up the offensive line, and they do that. They get Alex Capo away from the box. That's a huge hit oh, for the Bengals and a huge loss for, for Tampa Bay. Alex is a, Kappa is an absolute stud of a lineman. He's a mauler. Interior lineman is great for Joe Mixon. It's going to help solidify that for Joe Burrow. Huge upgrade for the Bengals. And then they bring in Ted Karras, who, if I remember right, is kind of a swingman type of lineman. A former Titan at one point, I think. I don't know where if that was his most recent team, but I am familiar with Ted Karras. Three years, $18 million. Also should provide an upgrade to that offensive line, even though he's not a household name, not a stud, very solid player. And it's hard to get much worse than what the Bengals were on the line last year. Uh, previous team was the Patriots. Patriots? Cool. Yes. I'm going to go now see if I was right about him ever playing. I will let you know. You can keep reading off. Okay. Um, Jesse Bates franchise tagged by them, then BJ Hill. So not a lot there. Amari Cooper, next big thing we got to talk about. New England and Miami. Okay. I knew him from Miami. That's what it was. Amari Cooper acquired on a trade to the Dallas Cowboys in exchange for a 2022 fifth-round pick and a swap of six-rounders. So trade does not become official until the start of the new league year, which is Wednesday, March 16th. Amari Cooper um, out of Dallas. The underlying metrics on Cooper were not any better or worse than they have been for his career. They just didn't target him quite as much. Target quality was down. But everything else for Cooper was roughly the same. Problem is, he ends up with a downgraded quarterback as of right now. Brown's rumored to be in on Watson. But he ends up with a downgraded quarterback, a downgrade in volume. He is their best receiving option. Um... Firmly puts him in wide receiver two range, though. I think. I, with Jarvis Landry being cut, I, I Cooper does not fall into the Odell role. Odell, like Diggs, was miscast in Stefanski's offense as the quote unquote number one that works vertically almost as a decoy while it lets the underneath number two option, Adam Thielen, Jarvis Landry, uh, gobble up all, all the intermediate work. Um, I do like the fit, uh, but you're right though. It's downgrade a quarterback, downgrade in passive volume. It's a downgrade in where he he thrives in in dome like conditions. You go from Dallas playing in dome weather, which is dome, and to playing in Cleveland outdoors, cold for half the season or fucking windy. And it's and you have an inaccurately or you have a semi inaccurate, oft injured Baker Mayfield right now. So. I think from a volume standpoint, it's going to look good, but Cooper has never commanded a target share over 22%. And that was back with the Raiders still during his days in Dallas. It set flat around 20. So I don't see how this is supposed to just prop up his target volume in which 
Yeah, he had one that. year without C.D. Lamb in Dallas, and he still got twenty percent, and that was with Dak still. So I, I I don't see how this is going to make him prop him up any higher. Um, you know, they saw Evan Joku, Donovan Peoples Jones for the thing is going to step into that deep role. Um, it's a we'll see. I think he's a good wide receiver three. I wouldn't pay up for him. I wouldn't trade for him like he's no. a two. And I don't like his upside. I, I think it's the floor play, and that's about it. That's exactly it. Whatever you think his floor play is, where Amari, floor is, is where Amari Cooper is. Um, and he also can't stay healthy. Because unfortunately, <laughs> like you had mentioned, it would have been better for fantasy if they'd cut him and he got to choose his his mm-hmm. location. I mean, if he had ended mm-hmm. up in freaking, I don't know, Seattle, it would have been better off than it would have been here. Like, there are places that Cooper could have landed that would have been much better than Cleveland, and he didn't land there. Um, the joke you mentioned, franchise tag, so it doesn't change anything for him. Talked about the Winovich trade. They also signed Taven Bryan. So, there you go. Steelers, bring him back. Let's see. Nope. Haskins, original round restricted free agent tender worth $2.54 million. Original round on Haskins first, right? So, yeah. Um, he won't get picked up. He'll still be there. Uh, but they got Ooh, their bridge quarterback. That changes a lot of things. So that gives them three quarterbacks on the roster. It does. And, and Alice Rudolph gets cut. They got their bridge quarterback though. Two years, fourteen point two five million, uh, worth up to twenty seven million in, in incentives for Mitchell Trubisky. I love this fit. Um, Trubisky's mobile. He can move the pocket. He can extend plays. Um, he'll have a better receiving core, top to bottom at least right now, um, than, than what he had in Chicago. He'll have Najee Harris, so he'll have a running game, better coaching staff. I, I think that I, I saw a take, and I agree with it, in two quarterback leagues or deeper leagues, Trubisky is going to be a sneaky option in this offense. There's some qualities that Trubisky has that Young Ben had, particularly in the mobility department, and the ability to extend plays and throw on the run and move the pocket. Um, I'm excited to see this. And I think it's, it's an upgrade for the receiving weapons, too. Oh, yeah, easily. Easy upgrade. Both Deontay, both Claypool. You got Pat Firemuth working the seam. You have Najee Harris out of the backfield. Um, great deal. I, I think this is why uh, Pittsburgh's Super Bowl odds went down. is because they have all three quarterbacks in roster. And I think this may take them out of a first-round quarterback mm-hmm. uh, drafting I may be wrong. Maybe Rudolph does get cut or they'll eventually let go Haskins. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do know is that Trubisky is the British QB. Um, he should be the favorite to start week one going into training camp and preseason. Um, and this allows them to still be on that kind of prove it, right? This is still kind of a prove it deal for him to where he'll have a chance to showcase his ability in this offense. And then maybe potentially be the bridge for the quarterback of the future in 2023 season. And then maybe he'll, he'll continue that as his, his new uh, career path. I think this tells but us great, a, great for fantasy. And I think this tells us a bit about the draft too. If Pittsburgh didn't want to wager the capital to, to move up, we know that this draft class is a lot of question marks at quarterback. And I think what this tells us is that they probably didn't expect Pickett or Willis to make it down to them. Perhaps. Um, and don't like, or, you know, I say Pickett or Willis because they're my top two, but 
you know, or they just don't like anything that's there below them. I mean, it, it tells me that the guys they liked, they didn't expect to make it down to them. Um, and there's not a lot of depth in this quarterback class. I mean, I'd imagine most teams may have two to three guys that they probably like in the first round, but you don't love anybody. I'm so I'm so holding out hope that they find a way to land Desmond Ritter and we get to see Ritter would be awesome. But a. Trubisky to bridge to Ritter and Ritter right now feels like the number three quarterback on most mock drafts taken. He, he's moved up tremendously from the combine. My model loves Desmond Ritter. Absolutely loves Desmond Ritter. We'll get to that in a little bit. That's a little teaser of what our models are. But it, mine, like, loves Ritter and hates Willis, actually. But I don't hate Willis. So there's a difference between with the model. Anyway. Fuck uh, you, model. <laughs> what do you know? Well, there's a reason. Chuck Wuma Okora for three years, 29.25 million, 20 million guaranteed offensive tackle. So Steelers now upgrading the line, getting a Cora for who came from. I don't have the name. So oh, I think re- he was a resigned for the Steelers. And then they signed James Daniels, formerly of the bears. So interior lineman for the bears. He's had some very solid seasons for them. Uh, that should help the efficiency of uh, Najee Harris a little bit. Uh, also Daniels center by trade, but moved to guard. Anyway, Trubisky has familiarity with him. Robert Spillane, Arthur Mollett, Miles Killebrew, nothing to talk about. Texans, long list, not anybody good. But we'll go through it anyway. Jeff Driscoll, one-year contract. Chris Conley, one-year contract. Perel Brown, one-year contract. Uh, Cedric Ogabui, one-year contract. Justin Britt, agreed to terms on a contract. <laughs> That's all we got. AJ Can, two-year deal, ten point five million, four point five million guaranteed. Malik Collins resigning on a two-year deal. Christian Kirksey, two-year deal. Uh, Ogbo Okoronkwo, two uh, agreed to terms on a contract. Terrence Brooks, one-year deal. MJ Stewart, one-year deal. Desmond King, two-year deal. A lot of non-committing going on here. A lot of, we're in a rebuild. Use us as a springboard to go to a different team. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah. Yeah, I literally care about nobody on this list. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Colts, uh, really the only thing to talk about here is Mo Cox. Three years, $18 million, another tight end getting paid. Seemingly below market value for Allie Cox. Um, Doyle retired. Cox is a starter right now. Um, so, yeah. Who's throwing in the ball? Jimmy Garoppolo. We don't I know at the is, moment. We don't know. Matt Ryan, if Atlanta lands Watson. We Warmer. know that the Colts are not getting Watson because Houston denied yeah, requests for him. So, which is which smart. An interdivision trade would not happen yeah. there anyway. So, absolutely. Yeah, uh, we'll have more on Allie Cox when somebody signs. We don't know who's throwing him footballs yet. <laughs> Jaguars, <laughs> they're doing things. I guess um, <laughs> yeah, a, they're doing things. You know, I look at this <sighs> and it is an upgrade over the receivers they had last year, at least. Zay Jones, three year twenty four. Is it? Yeah, it is. No. They overpaid <laughs> they overpaid, but talent wise uh, it is. Unless you're looking at Jamal Agnew over Zay Jones and Christian. Uh, no, I I know, but I'm still looking at uh, Zay Jones over DJ Chark. And, eh? 
Uh, well, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know why they let Chark walk. We'll get to him in a minute. I mean, yeah. injured, ineffective, really had the good rookie season. Maybe they just felt like he needed a change of scenery. I don't um, know. But anyway, they bring in Zay Jones, three years, $24 million. Zay Jones kind of had a little bit of a career resurgent with Ve- resurgence with Vegas. Looked pretty good down the stretch last year, actually. So, you know, not fantasy levels of good where you're, like, running out to pick up Zay Jones, but from an NFL perspective, he was fine. I, it's hard. It's, it's $8 million and with all the slot production that they signed you know our boy Larky over there in the middle of the Atlantic was able to pull up uh, slot percentages and you have you know Kurt was over 50 Shavishka was over 50 and then as soon as we talk about Ingram and Dan Arnold still being there there's a bunch of slot receivers and Zay Jones isn't a slot he's yeah, just a, a below average flanker yeah so he'll have a role and he'll likely start on the opposite in three receiver sets, which well, and who don't who who really knows what Jacksonville wants to run? And Kirk is an upgrade on Chanel at this point in time. That's not taking away the, anything away from Chanel's talent, but talent doesn't mean shit when you haven't shown anything in a couple of years. Which is odd because he's, I mean, the, the targets have been there, kind of. Yeah, it's just he's on nothing with it. Now there was a a note that I saw pop out. Uh, Chanel played on just 27%. Chanel's snap share in college, which is 27%. So yeah. I'm wondering if, because you don't want to put Christian Kurt outside. We've already seen Christian Kurt play on the outside, and he can't play well. No, on the you outside. put him in the slot. You might he put Chanel on the, the outside or use him in some some specific roles because Chanel's yeah. athletic enough to play outside. Christian Kirk needs to go on the slot. He has to. So I, I, this is why I still don't think Jacksonville's out on taking. A, a outside looking receiver. I don't either because you need to see what. I mean, yeah. even if you're gonna scheme Chenault in, you need to see him do something before you can commit to that being part of your long term plans at this point, and he hasn't. So Christian Kirk signs for four years, seventy two million. They had the cap space, so that's fine. Thirty only thirty seven million guaranteed, so it's a lot of incentives. Max value of eighty four million. So thirty seven million guaranteed at four years is. Okay, it's a little over. It's about eighteen million a year right now. Well, seventy-two million contract, thirty-seven million guaranteed. So, in guaranteed money, or eight million a year or so. Um, and it's mostly from. I think someone posted the uh, his contract. And I think it's generally the next two years is really what it looks like. Yeah, and um. They'll be able to get out on people on a saw separate deal then seventy two or eighty four million and freaked out and really once you see how it's structured it's not that bad of a deal. It's just when you look at his overall deal, it, they made him at signing the third most paid receiver. Yeah. I think that's that that to me is just like I don't care if it's front loaded. That just seems ridiculous. Crash the market, but they needed to get something yeah. to try to get yeah. some offense going. And you know what, Kirk should do two things. He should provide a reliable option for Trevor Lawrence. And I'm in on Christian Kirk on a team that's going to be playing from behind a lot. Yeah, he's definitely going to be uh he's he should be a wide receiver too. He should be a wide receiver too. That's that's where I'm at with it. So again, if you're looking for some floor out of a player, Christian Kirk should have it because the Jags are gonna have volume. They just cut Miles Jack. They haven't done anything so far to really um upgrade this defense. So they're Putting it on offense. Same thing with Evan Ingram. One year deal. He will have opportunity. 
people want to hate on the drops. The drops really, if I remember right, were not that high when you look at at the actual number. He was used downfield in air yards, um, used to stretch the field. He's definitely a move tight end. He's another that guy that could see some volume. If I'm out there looking for guys on a competing team, just guys, if I have a hole in my roster, if I need wide receiver depth, if I have a hole at tight end, which I don't really anymore, thank you, Alberto, but if I have a hole at tight end, um, Evan Ingram's the guy that I'm contacting the fantasy manager about to see if he's available and what the cost is and if they want to want to out to see if I can take a flyer. Because again, move tight end, super athletic, goes to what we would assume is a better QB than Daniel Jones um, in what should be a high volume offense with a bad defense. Yeah, it's uh, I'll buy the dip. Uh, Baker just put out some lawn ass meshes to all the fans in Cleveland. So I'm, <laughs> you gotta think, read that. I think it's very, very certain that Baker Simon in Cleveland is done before the end of this year. I think he's going somewhere else. Uh, let's see, Cam Robinson franchise tag. So we'll keep their tackle. Brandon Scherf, three year, forty nine point five million deal. It's a big signing. Scherf, former Washington com- commander. Commander. Yep. Um, yeah, I know, I'm familiar with Scherf. I like Scherf. <laughs> very, good. very good guard. Um. This is great for, for ETN and Robinson and, and Lawrence is a huge upgrade. Tyler Shatley. Don't remember where he came from. Unfortunate last name, Shatley. Oh, he was there. Resigned to your deal, 6.8 million. Hopefully the idea for Shatley will be as a depth guy, but a little stability there. Foley Fatukasi. 30 million deal, three years, 30 million, 20 million guaranteed defensive tackle. Don't know much about him. Foyer Olukam, three-year deal, forty-five million, twenty-eight million fully guaranteed. Where did Oluokan come from? I uh, Foyer F O Y Ah Falcons. Falcons, okay. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's why I didn't know the name. Falcons defenders. Am I right? <laughs> right. Titans. Jeff Swain, one-year deal, three point five million contract extension. Ben Jones, Harold Landry, long snapper Morgan Cox. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. What? No, I'm just saying. Oh, Denver. Those deals don't care. Russell Wilson, we already talked about. We don't need to rehash that. Nope. Calvin Anderson, Randy Gregory. Uh, Came down to contract language. This was hilarious. The Cowboys thought they had a deal. Um, And then Denver's Twitter account tweeted at them, telling them basically, no, you don't. Ended up being the same money, but this is telling too. The Cowboys contract had language in it to where if a player's finder suspended, they could withhold money. Denver took that contract language out, which was the difference. Yeah. So I don't know what Gregory's hiding or what type of shit he plans to start again, but basically setting up to get fined and suspended now by getting that <laughs> that language pulled out. I love the uh I just love the 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 freezing cold takes account posted the the Dallas suite that, that Gregory was staying there. Yeah. Uh just silly. It is silly. But I mean asking for that language to be pulled out for me from a character perspective is a red flag. Yeah, right? No shit. DJ Jones, three year deal with thirty million, twenty million guaranteed, Jesse Jewel, two year deal. 
DJ Jones, very good defensive tackle, by the way. That defense Absolutely. is back to being scary. Broncos going to be going to be a contender. AFC West going to be a lot of fun. All right, Orlando Brown franchise tag. Frank Clark, new two year deal, twenty nine million max value of thirty six million. Justin Reed, three years, thirty one point five million. Uh, Reed likely a Matthew replacement. Yeah, Chiefs got to do something to to help bolster that 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 horrible secondary. Just and, and the defense needs a lot of work, well, so and that's so. not really a a mover for me. Honestly, Reed is a he's a good safety, but I don't know that it's an upgrade over over Matthew there and Clark. They're just it's, bringing back. I don't think so. So yeah, I think I thought Reed was a box stuffing. He is safety more of a run so. stuffer. So which. Matthew can play downhill too, but anyway, yeah, Reed is more of a of a run stopper. So this is not no needle movers for the Chiefs. It's not an upgrade. It's just more status quo. Yep. Max Crosby, four years, ninety eight point nine eight million contract extension, ninety five million in new money, fifty three million guaranteed. Uh, Raiders keep their star pass rusher. Mike Williams, we talked about. We're on to the Chargers. We're moving fast. Mike Williams, we talked about. Um, you have Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, Khalil Mack. Did we talk about that last week? I think we did. Did we? No, it came out after the show. I, I think Khalil Mack was Sunday. Okay. Khalil was- Mack, trade with the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, 2022 second-round pick and a sixth-rounder. Trade does not become official until the start of the new league year. Um, look, it's a good get for the Chargers. The Bears, I've talked about it on the show a lot. They need to get younger on defense. That's with with Mack, with Quinn, with Hicks. Um, we're all over 30 years old. Their pass rushers and their, their front seven, other than Roquan Smith, you know, Trevathan was there, needed to get younger, and this is part of that. Um, I'm totally fine with the compensation because – you know, the 2022 second rounder, I think, was good base. I think the six would have been higher if Mac hadn't missed a bunch of time last year at the foot injury and hadn't just crossed 30. Um, you need draft capital if you're the Bears. Um, just gives them two second rounders. They've got holes to fill. Completely okay with this move. It's a good gift for the Chargers. Yep, I agree. And then JC Jackson, five years, <laughs> 82.5 million. Chargers defense getting stacked too if they can stay healthy. Let's talk about how fun the AFC West is going to be. Have we mentioned that yet? Uh, I think it's going to be a, high, a very popular conversation throughout the entirety of this offseason. Chargers may have the most complete team in the NFL right now. I think more complete than potentially Buffalo. I agree. AFC, man, have fun. Like, no wonder no wonder Brady wanted to come back. He gets, and Rodgers wanted to stick in, in Green Bay. Like, why would you want to go play in the AFC when you have this shit constantly, this shit happening? Yep. All right. NFC East. Michael Gallup back to the Cowboys. 55 years, 57 million. 23 million guaranteed. Max value 62.5. 10 million signing bonus. We'll see if he has to start the season on the pub. He tore his ACL late part of the late. season. So, um, Look, I mean, they committed to him over Cooper. They were able to shed Cooper's contract, get some compensation in return. Uh, it's going to cost them less for Gallup. A little bit um, of a bump up in, in target volume without Cooper there, too. So, yeah, I don't that. think Dallas is done, though. I think I th- w- with also losing Cedric Wilson, they're going to want to go. 
they're gonna, they're gonna draft someone. somebody. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing a lot of Traylon Burks with the uh with the Jerry Jones and Arkansas connection. If Burks is available to Dallas, I believe I picked 24, 23, that uh, Burks may be that pick. What do you do then? Slide Gallup inside? No, you know, you keep Gallup outside. Lamb would probably uh, primarily oh, play Lamb. inside yeah. cell. Burks and I mean maybe Burks and, and Lamb both, you know, trade off. Uh I, I would expect Burks to be uh Burks is playing outside. The primary X, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, he he, he did do to. a lot of unique stuff with Arkansas. That was because they needed to just get the ball in his hands in any way possible. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll see. You're right. It doesn't take them out, but right now it's a bump up for Gallup. Uh, going back to that high volume of an offense, likes to throw the football, spread the football around. Um, without Amari Cooper there, Dalton Schultz franchise tag. Good. Good news. Um, if they decided to keep two of three, I thought maybe we'd see, you know, one, you know, I thought maybe we see two people between Schultz, Cooper and Lane and uh, Gallup go, but they kept two of three. Yep. So Dalton Schultz back, uh, good for, well, he received it. He hasn't signed it yet, but received it. So good for his value. Um, he was a very, very solid floor tight end last year. I don't expect that to change. Uh, DeMarcus Lawrence, new three-year deal. So he's back. Millie Cooker. Two-year deal. He's back. Long snapper Jake McQuaid. One-year deal. Veteran minimum. But, yep. So defense today is the same. Giants. Terod Taylor. Two-year deal. Eleven million. Max value seventeen million with incentives. It's exactly what we thought they should do: is bring in a veteran to push Daniel Jones. Well, you're hoping for somebody a little better than Taylor. Um, you know what? It's still good enough to push Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, it just makes this lease. I mean, this is, again, a new regime here. So the yeah. lease for Daniel Jones is pretty short as it could be. And uh, uh, Tyrod has always proved to be a very reliable backup. So if Jones shows any bit of struggling, it's, we may game. see him bench at some point this year for Tyrod. Yep. John Feliciano, uh, Mark Golinski also signed both linemen. Eagles, Greg Ward, one-year deal. Jason Kelsey, new one-year contract, $14 million. Uh, Hassan Reddick coming over from the Cardinals. That's an upgrade. Yeah, this is uh, Philadelphia. That was the big thing they needed to improve their defense. And uh, even though it, it did play up to expectations last year, so it's a good move for them. Yep, Reddick is a, a very good move there. And then Andre Chichiri. Chichir? Sorry, one-year deal. Don't know who you are. Washington Commanders acquired Carson Wentz. We talked about that last week. Bobby McCain, two-year deal. The Bears, only two moves so far. Larry Ogunjobi, uh, at defensive tackle, really just going to replace Eddie Goldman. So um, Goldman's been injured and or opted out the last couple seasons. So they do get an upgrade there, at least in reliability. Uh, Maybe not in performance, but reliability. And Patrick Scales, one-year deal. He's their long snapper. Veteran benefit. The Lions, Tim Boyle, one-year deal. DJ Chark, one-year deal. Talk about Chark for a minute. So we talked about this when the deal broke out this morning. I see one-year 10 million. It can be up to 13 mil. Um, I don't, I like the move for Detroit. It gives them a legitimate deep threat. Um, They didn't really have one last year. You saw shades of potentially Josh Reynolds, uh, Cleve Freeman, Quintus Cephas playing more as the outside clasher. 
not, it, I wouldn't call him a, a true deep threat, but Chark does give him that. I don't like this fit for DJ Chark, though. He had one of the lowest deep deep pass volume offenses in Detroit last year, and he had one of the, the worst deep ball completion passers in Jared Goff. Um, the only saving grace to this, the people that have Chark in Dynasty, is if Detroit and Chark talked about expanding his role beyond just being a vertical threat. Problem still states is you have a low-volume passing offense with the team that wants to run the football when they can. They talked about that a lot last year, and it was proven last year. You have Hawkinson coming back. You have Swift coming back. I do not believe Detroit's done. They will easily still go wide receiver in the first three or in the first three rounds. And you have Amon Ross St. Brown uh, commanding out of the slot here. I think this is a good NFL move for the Lions. I, if you have Chark and Dynasty, this is not an ideal spot for him to land in. And it's only a one-year deal, so it's a prove-it deal. I just, why would you pick Detroit in a prove-it deal? They should be throwing more because they're playing for the Lions. Well, but yet, you don't know what his market is either. If his market dictated him going to Detroit on a one-year yeah, deal, there could be a true. reason that the the Jags didn't bring him back because you don't know what the market was. I mean, coming off a broken ankle, productive rookie season. Um, Second year, he didn't. He barely sorry, played. His barely played his season. rookie year. Yeah. Productive second year, down third year, broken ankle his fourth year. So, you know, it's a matter of what was his market. This says it probably wasn't much. Um, I don't know if you gave my take on this morning's conversation or not because I had to piss. So I'm just gonna give it. You give it. Nope, I didn't. I just my, gave mine. My argument for this not being terrible is that Jared Goff has supported deep threat wide receivers before. Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, yes, Chark is not them. Um, I said that more in defense of Goff than as a, I think DJ Chark's going to be good when I said it in the chat because it's not that Goff can't support field-stretching receivers, but you know DJ Chark is not the receiver that Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods is. So you know, we'll have to see. We know that Jared Goff is capable of supporting a type like this. Um, you know, it's not a sell window, though, in Dynasty on a one-year really deal. Nothing. It's really not. It's really... a hold. It's a hold. His value didn't change. You're hoping that he comes into Detroit, looks good on an offense that should have to throw, um, and, you know, get some form of target volume with Josh Reynolds and Amon Ross St. Brown and can, you know, put that into something next year, which may open a window. But yeah, this yeah, ain't it. It, no, no, it's it. Ain't. Uh, Evan Brown, center offensive guard, resigned one year deal. Charles Harris, resigning two year deal. Alex Anzalone, they're very solid linebacker, one year deal. Tracy Walker, three years, 25 million. CJ Moore, one year deal. So not a lot else. Aaron Rodgers deal finally broke. People just want to hate on this guy, whatever it is. Three years, $150 million, very front-loaded, huge dead cap hit, um, 101.515 fully guaranteed. Uh, drops his 2022 cap hit, though, by about $18 million, which is huge in the Devontae Adams front. Um, so it drops that cap hit. If they move on with him after two years, it's a huge dead cap hit. Uh, this is, though, a year less and about the same AAV that, well, the NFL doesn't use AAV, but you get it, than what was reported 
last week. So it is fifty million cheaper, but it's about the same per year money. Yeah, this is uh just this just solidifies that Jordan Love might be that might have been the worst draft pick. It does. And like I know we can joke about Jamarcus Russell and guys like Ryan Leaf. Like they got literally nothing out of their first round pick. No, they didn't even get to play and see no, that he was it, bad. It's just they were like, fuck it. We could have used this to continue to build and give Rogers support that he needs. Instead, they just fucked around with a quarterback that they'll never use. Indeed. It's just fucking a great travesty. Devontae Adams franchise tag. He's told the Packers he will not play on the tag in 2022. So that's going to be the new drama. Rodgers is back. So can they get something done with Adams? Um, again, Rodgers killed, cleared 18 million. They cut Zadarius Smith. So they're trying to open up cap space to get a deal, something done with Adams, I think. Yeah. I, I, I can't fathom a deal not getting done in time, not getting done before the season starts. Yep. Like Adams is going to get, like he may sign the tag and just get extended afterwards. Just, they're going to give him like, there's no way Rogers doesn't come back if they don't get commitment that Adams is going to play this year. Uh, Alan Lazard, second round restricted free agent tender. That's a solid tender. Nobody will pay it, but that tells you how far he's come from being cut several it's times great. in the first couple of seasons. I love it. I like it too. And he is a wide receiver too there. So, uh, Devondre Campbell, five year deal, 50 million. Uh, and linebacker Preston Smith, four year extension, 52.5 million. So linebacking core showed up, sh- showed up there. Yeah. They did let Sidarius Smith go, but again, you know, it's the okay. Packers are cap stricken. So Kirk Cousins. Oh, fuck. One year, 35 million, <laughs> fully guaranteed extension, puts him under contract through 2023, reduces his 2022 cap number by 14 million. He ain't going nowhere. Also, fully guaranteed best agent in sports. The Kurtz. Whoever the agents are for the Kurtz. Christian Kurt. Kurt Cousins. Should have their their jerseys, their suits hanging up in rafters across the NFL teams that they fleeced. Kurt Cousins has had fully guaranteed money since 2016. And you'll have fully guaranteed money through 2023. Um... I still don't like this move. It's great for fantasy, though, right? Like, he, he get so get Jefferson. It's fine. Thielen's fine. Cook's fine. Or Smith, when he comes back, it's fine. This is a top five offense, scoring offense that should only improve, hopefully. Should improve with uh, with the change from Zimmer. And the defense is going to suck. This is going to take a couple of years to get fully rebuilt. Um, they may be able to retain Daniel Hunter, but I, I don't know how if that's going to come to fruition. So, Great for fantasy. I don't like the fact that Minnesota is prolonging their there should be retooling, quote unquote, also rebuilding. But it's very difficult to convince people, you know, your fan base, ownership, management, and the players that you need to go into a rebuild and commit to it. But like you said, Cousins is under contract. He will play, but the two void years on top of his contract is allowing to push the guaranteed money out even further. Because of these void deals, if they cut Cousins before the void deals start, they have to owe him all that money back anyway. So this only affirms Cousins is going to be the starter through this year and next. Vikings fans like myself are just going to have to deal with it. Um, at least at least the new coaching staff and the new regime is excited about Cousins, even though they have to say that. I genuinely feel that they are. Um and I'm also glad that they took their name out of the Watson fiasco. So 
we'll see. I can't wait for nine and eight, ten and seven, seven and nine, or seven and ten, eight and nine seasons, and we end up picking in the teens every for the next two years. But hey, we kept by uh, Kurt freaking cousins. So I don't know if it's the same agency or not. Christian Kirk's agent is uh, Zeke Sandhu from Elite Athletic Management. It is different. I think Cousins is Mike McCarthy. It's like Mike McCartney. Mike or McCartney. Like that. And if you don't follow Mike McCartney on Twitter, you need to because uh, he gets confused for Mike McCarthy all the time. So he gets <laughs> all yeah, yeah, the yeah. Cowboys hate. And it's pretty damn hilarious to watch him reply to reply to those people and just play them on and egg them on. So I agree, actually. Mike McCartney is the best agent in the NFL. <laughs> Not just for what he's done for, for Kirk Cousins, but because he's a great Twitter follow. Oh, man. Absolutely great. Harrison Phillips, three years, 19.5 million deal. Um, Jordan Hicks, two-year, 10 million. Former Eagle. Yep. Just more depth to place along on defense as they continue to retool it. Falcons are going to rebuild, but damn it, they're bringing back Jake Matthews, and damn it, they're bringing back Young Way. <laughs> it's a winnable division. They are uh, one of the many teams linked to Watson, and uh, with Brady coming back, I think Matt Ryan's on the move regardless. Well, what I means the key is, is their wide receiver one does, so they need to do I can't something. believe it. They need to do something to get some weapons. <laughs> oh, my God. Kyle Piss is going to play all the positions. They're totally going wide receiver at the top of the draft. They have to now. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Carolina Panthers. <sighs> you there still? I'm here. Okay. I heard it pop, so I want to make sure. Uh-oh. You're good. Dante Foreman, contracted Panthers. Um, not what you'd hope for him unless Christian McCart Christian McCaffrey. McCartney. Christian McCartney. McCarthy. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey gets hurt again. Um, or traded because there's he, he may be traded. part of the Houston deal if five uh, they do trade. So Watson keep an eye on that. Foreman, not a bad stash, or just keep him stashed until you have to cut him if you have him from last year. Still, Austin Corbett, three year deal. Marquise Haynes, Sean Chandler, Xavier Woods, safety, three years, fifteen point seven five million. Former Cowboy. Um, and then Zane Gonzalez, two years, four point five million. Xavier Woods, the biggest name out of that bunch. Yeah, former Viking last year. I don't know why yeah. it says Cowboy for me, but played with the Vikings last year. He's the only Viking to play at every snap defensively last year. He's a solid player. Yes, not elite. Piece. Very solid though. Good piece. The Good Saints enough. have done nothing because they have no money and <laughs> they have no players, and it's a thing. The Buccaneers. Here we go. Tom Brady coming out of retirement. We talked about that. Shaq Mason. Offensive guard acquired in a trade at the Patriots in exchange for a 2022 fifth rounder. Uh, so that's your replacement for the fact that they lost Kappa and Marpet. Russell Gage, expected to sign with Tampa Bay. Godwin Evans, I guess Russell Gage is going to be your three. I don't know. Godwin, franchise tagged, not signed yet. Aaron Stinney. Uh, signed with Tampa Bay. No idea who that is. Apparently a guard. Ryan Jensen re-signed to a three-year deal, so they do at least keep their center, even though they lost their two starting guards. Um, and then Carlton Davis, uh, three years, $45 million, $30 million guaranteed. Cornerback re-signing, so he'll be back too. Dup guy. Yep. I'd be starting, I think. Uh... No, no, he's dep, you're right. Never mind. Well, that's starting money pretty much too, so well, maybe... 
He did start several games last year because of injuries and stuff. NFC yeah. West. Colt McCoy. One year two. Er, sorry, I guess I should tell you we're talking about the Cardinals now. Colt McCoy. Two year deal. Uh, to back up Kyler Murray. James Connor. Three years. 21 million extension. 16 million over the first two years. It's really effectively a two year deal. Um, James Connor. Very, very solid resurgence in. In Arizona, it's important to note that the loss of Edmonds does still mean that a pass catching back, um, somebody that works outside a little bit better than what Connor does, uh, could still land there and that they are going to have value because Connor is not a model for health. Just a reminder. Yeah, there, there's, it's probably going to happen, uh, day three. Uh, you know, Benjamin steps into the backup role at this point. So. Mm-hmm. For as long as uh, James Conner remains healthy, this is uh, good fantasy wise. It um, is. I, I still would have preferred, I so easily preferred Chase Edmonds, his deal at least. Uh, redraft leagues, but Conner is going to be a uh, good pick in those. So, window in Dynasty if you're not competing. Yeah, it is. And if you are, then good. You can be your RB2. Zach Ertz resigning three years, thirty-one point six five million contract, seventeen point five million guarantee. Ertz very solid after landing in Arizona, right in that echelon of tier one tight ends that are kind of ugly, but still better than what you could have. Kind of like right there with Dalton Schultz, basically, and Pat Fryermuth. So, I love this. I do too. Again, great fit, great move. Just just keeping that cohesion with you know for Murray. With they have to still figure out how they're gonna navigate his waters <laughs> yep. and have the, you know, pay him. Two guys I don't want to talk about. The Rams re-signed Joe Nobu and re-signed Brian Allen. Andrew Whitworth retired. So um, definitely could still use some help on that offensive line. Uh, at times they just completely looked overmatched, but they don't need a full overhaul. They just need some slight tweaks and upgrades. Whitworth in particular, uh, well, great player, great career, uh, definitely was getting beat a bit late in the season. So yeah, I just caught a bunch of Rams games because of the playoffs and stuff and noticed that the offensive line at times could just look completely overmatched. So you saw that in the Super Bowl. It was yep. uh, pretty bad. Yep. So no boom and Allen though, uh, not necessarily the problem there. So they'll get brought back into anchor that uh, 49ers one year extension for Jermichael Hasty to various award three year deal, 40.5 million leaves the chiefs. So we said they need to get better and, Get a little worse in the secondary. I don't know. Ward, not exactly locked down, but still a solid piece for the 49ers. It's a solid get. Yep. Solid upgrade over Josh Norman. Yep. And that just means the Chiefs got a little worse there, too. Drew Locke, we <laughs> yeah. talked about. Will Disley resigns for three years, $24 million after the Noah Fant acquisition. Fant more of a move tight end. Disley were more of a blocking tight end. <laughs> I don't know why. Why the fuck? Why? Seattle continues to make head scratching moves, but hey, god damn it, they're gonna get Watson, so who knows? And then Sidney Jones, Quandry Diggs both resigned, as did Al Woods, so really nothing to upgrade the defense there. They just brought people back on a defense that was bad. Shelby Harris will help clog the middle, but yeah, that's about it so far. Beer review. All right, 
I don't remember what you were drinking because I couldn't say extract, extract, ex- extensive, exception, 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 exception. There you go. Exception. E x a p t a t i o n. I don't fucking know. It's a spontaneously fermented amber ale. Can you spell that for me again? Uh, what's that? Can you spell that for me again? E x a p t a t i o n. Exaptation. 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 Okay, go ahead. Sure. It's a spontane- spontaneously fermented amber ale aged in Norden Aquavit barrels. Um, super funky, super wild. Um, you're gonna notice a bit of the uh, of the amber haze color to it in the glass there. Um, nose wise, grass. Um, you're gonna get kind of the uh, almost like the mushroom type of um, you know fungus, fungi type of uh, smell to it. Funky. Mm-hmm. Mouth is it's the same for a lot of beers like this. It's gonna be. You know, a bit of a bite, very acidic. I don't get much of of the malt or what would be characteristics of an amber. So whatever they use for, you know, for the bacteria, whatever they were able to capture when they spontaneously fermented this from the, uh, you know, from the, you know, from the air within their area, in the, in this grand in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, um, really kind of fucked with this. If you don't have chances to try beers like this, I absolutely would. They when beers are spontaneously fermented or wild, um, they take whatever the the condition of the weather is that day, whatever the bacteria that floats around, and it just kind of sits and uh, cooks in an open fermenter. And it, it really changes the complexity of these beers, and it can be different from time to time. Um, very, very fun and very unique. Something that uh, will help put still on the map, too. The wild ales. Yep. Santa Cara series. Yeah. 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 And yeah, drink funky beers. Saison's farmhouses, wild ales. Drink funky beers because yeast will do so much more than you realize. And bacteria. Yeah. I mean, look, most of your, a lot of your flavor in beer, more than you realize, comes from chemicals and bacteria. Not added, they come off naturally. Brett, lactobilis. Those are the two yeah, main ones. Those yeah, are the two main ones, but there are definitely others. So. Oh yeah, there's there absolutely is. All right, I add Schlafly's, uh, something Park Logger for Tower Grub Park, um, Tower Grub Park Park here in St. Louis. Very nice place, very big place. Uh, overall, it's a lager with flavor. I mean, a lot of lagers that you get from other St. Louis breweries. Anheuser Busch. Um, St. Louis, Missouri. Don't have a ton of flavor. This one's got really good flavor. It's got a nice kind of floral, fruity note to it. Um, definitely some yeast esters popping out in this one. The hop character's there. Um, you know, overall, I am not great at picking out fruit notes. I would say maybe some like guava almost. Definitely some light floral notes to it, though. Yeah, guava. Very easy drinking, very flavorful. Um, 
not a whole lot else to say about it. Medium bodied, um, and it's just very floral, very fruity. Great summer beer for for out at the park. I would drink a, I would slam me as a disc golfing, honestly. Perfect. Just we need beers like those. We love beers like those. They're a good spring. It's a good spring beer. All right. All right. We're going to talk a little bit to wrap up the show about how we evaluate draft talent. So we got our draft series coming up, uh, starting here about mid next month. We'll be prepping people for it, but we'll also be talking about a lot of it more. So Dan and I take different approaches to this. We both kind of started from doing it the same way and we've evolved it from there. So I want to take this, I mean, really from a question perspective, or uh, we'll do this kind of structured, I guess, and I'm going to structure it on the fly. Structured, okay. unstructured. So as first off, Dan, I will pretend I will interview you, and then I will answer my own questions. Let's do that <laughs> okay. on air production meeting. Love so it. when you're building a list of who you're going to evaluate, how do you do that? Are you going after, are you going after everyone? I mean, before you even put numbers into a database, are you going after everyone? Are you pulling from multiple sources? How are you putting together the list of players that you're going to evaluate? Because that's the starting point to any evaluation is you got to put together a list of people. You're going to do some level of homework on. So for me, because I, I use a lot of my processes is through the database that I'm creating. I, I pull, I get as many players as I can find, obviously pre uh, pre declaring draft point, you pull as many as possible from other sources. Um, thankfully, we we are part of a great community that's also very Devi oriented, and they have they generally help create the list for us to watch. Um, if you're not outsour- if you're not outsourcing the names that you're looking for on top of the major names, and you're, there's a good chance you may miss players. But it's always going through, you know, Daniel Jeremiah's prospect list is going through all the major names that I see. And especially after the, uh, uh, the, the early declare list and who is deciding early to go into the NFL draft. So how I'll, I'll use that plus everything else that I could find to help create as much of a name base as I can. It's not, it's not, I don't watch film. So that's that's my way of of making sure that I, I get as much people in here to help make sure I'm getting the right comps. Yeah, this is even before film comes into play. This is yeah, yep. Is how are you figuring out who to pay attention to? So what I'm gonna do uh, when I figure out what what rookies I'm gonna pay attention to, who in the draft am I gonna watch? Is there's two things that's gonna happen. I'll use the Draft Network's prospect rankings. That's the first thing. That's my base step. They have a huge list of rankings. It's a great resource broken down by position. I'll go grab that out. It's got basically your conference, your school, year, height, weight, position. I'll go grab that out by position, pull everyone, massage that data to get my height into inches. That comes into play for like conditional formatting and things that I do in Excel. Um, Pull your weight um and with you know your year you can usually kind of infer age plus or minus about six or eight months for the most part so i'll get all that pulled over and then i will pay attention to like you do daniel jeremiah's prospect list i'll look at early declare lists i'll look at senior bowl invites combine invites and fill in anybody that that might have been missing that may not have been on that prospect list so like you you know the similarity there I think is that 
we're both trying to pull, at least for me, as much people in the draft process as we can or that could potentially be in the draft process as we can. Now, the trade-off there is I'm going to pull those lists, but all I'm going to do until the declaration deadline is passed is track whether they declare or not. I'm not going to do any other homework on these. I'm not trying to get a year jump start on anybody before they come in or anything like that because there's going to be enough work to do on the players that are already there. So we're, I'm going to wait until they declare before I do anything else. So we got the list built. So what pre-combine, pre-anything... Are you doing any form of of vetting on these guys? What are you looking at before you have combine numbers, before the draft happens? Um, to you don't do film, so you know I use this process as kind of a precursor to who I'm going to watch film on and who I'm not, and who I'm just going to let be black box with no film, essentially not black box, but misusage of that term. Who I'm not going to watch film on. Um, but you got to build an opinion off of people to start. So how do you start to, to build an opinion on these players? What's your first step when you're, you have a name and a face and (laughs) you have the rankings, I guess, from other people, but you know, you're trying to build your own. So how do you start to familiarize with yourselves with, with these players? First thing I do is go to playerprofile.com, uh, go to their player page and start to pull, the, the advanced metrics that we like to use as 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 points of of where um as points of interest. So excuse me, like college QBR for quarterbacks, dominator rating, breakout age, uh, target share amongst the positions. Start to input the numbers that I can get now. Well, on top of going through and combing through uh their production and start creating the numbers that I can just make out of my own. I can calculate dominator i can i can guess breakout age um just based on what player profiler uses for their their baseline for a player to hit those milestones and i'll I'll continue to do that until i have that all filled out um while also you know plucking through and getting an idea of what the community feels because i don't watch film I have to. I I have my trust people that I I look to to get their film. I, I am not. I am not one of them. By the way, you are. You are. You are part of them because you <laughs> you you like you're not the only one. And um and I generally take a a fuller you know I guess kind of grouped up approach to get where my points are going to be from a a film perspective. Um, at the same time, waiting for player grades from Daniel Jeremiah and PFF grades, um, they kind of help, you know, correlation. Those guys watch film. Those guys are very trusted and sought after, and they have good track records of, of predicting fantasy success. And here's where we start to diverge a little bit, because Dan is more so like creating a consensus based off of everyone. He's taking me, Matt Hicks. Um, who I, I throwing his name out there just because I know he does no, a ton of yeah, trust yeah, him. Um, you're taking the big guys, the small guys, the people that that put out takes that you trust. You're putting them together with some statistical analysis, and you're creating a comprehensive list that way. You're really taking uh, an aggregate look at what people do, what you see, and what you don't. For me, it's a little different. So, the first thing I'm gonna do 
to start to form an opinion. We kind of start the same here. We don't diverge immediately. I am all, I have a gating process that I take people through that's going to determine whether I ever lay eyes on their film is somebody that watches film because I got to be selective with that. I don't have the time to watch 200 players. So I got to be selective with that. Um, and I'm going to do a lot of what you do. I'm going to go grab their height, their weight, their dominator, their age for running backs, their BMI. Um, I'm going to go grab um, their full season. I'm going to go grab their uh, last most recent season production, or if it was injury or offset, their most recent full season production. Uh, I'm going to go grab their career production. Um, and then there's going to be gates that they have to pass through. And what that means is they're being compared to a database of NFL prospects over the last 10 years. Sorry, I say the last 10 years. It's really the last 12 years minus three. So it's the last nine. I don't put players into this database until they've been in the league for three years. Because the way that I categorize those players is what is their level of success. And honestly, looking last year, it may be even longer before I even put them into the baseline calculation. But what I'm looking at is what's their level of success. And what this database contains that I'm comparing these rookies to is all those NFL players from 2010 through 2019 just got added. No, 2018 just got added. 19 will get added next year. Um, and each player is categorized. Were they a bust? Were they just a guy? Were they uh, somebody that hung around on an NFL roster but never gave you a lot of value? Did they have some value but were never elite? Were they a full-blown starter, not elite tier, but kind of in that you know back-end one-two tier? Or were they a stud? So I'm going to categorize guys based on that, based on what their fantasy production has been. And then I'm going to look at, I've got all of their college metrics in there, all of their player profiler metrics in there, all of their combine workout metrics in there, their adjusted speed scores and everything. And what I've done is I've taken that, sorted it, and looked at where the drop-off is or where the sweet spot is based on that and said, all right, for my prospects, they need to check X amount of these metrics in order to get through film. So an example of this is, I think, I don't have it pulled up. So an example of this would be, I'm going to pull it up here real quick and give you one example of, we'll use running backs because that's what I've been evaluating. So vetting spreadsheet. So an example of this gate one process for running backs to get through gate one, they need to pass two of three criteria. So they need to have, and passing a criteria means checking off enough metrics in a category, a pre-draft category, if you will. Those categories are split up into their intangibles, their career production, and their season production. So to get into fil a film study before the combine, you're going to have to do you're going to have to be a certain BMI. And that's based on productivity profiles over the last 10 years. You're going to have to be a certain BMI, a certain age, and come from a certain level of competition. Again, you only have to pass two of the three to get that one. 
And then you're going to have to hit either six of nine career numbers, which is based on games played, rush attempts, rush yards, yards per carry, touchdown productivity, receiving productivity, yards per reception, receiving yards, touchdowns. Season, kind of the same thing. Different levels, but it's still based on what was your high-level productivity. If you check those boxes, you will pass what's called gate one. That's going to get you a film watch. Um, that's all a pre-combine. So basically, to sum up my pre-combine metrics, I'm pulling players in first. I'm filling out what we know pre-draft a lot like you are. I'm comparing them to a database of NFL success, creating criteria based off that database and saying they have to pass X amount of criteria for me to even be interested in taking a look at their tape. That's how I'm filtering it. And that's where we start to split off because whereas you're kind of pulling an aggregate to form your own opinion of what other people think, yeah, I'm not listening to what other people think. I've gotten in too much trouble listening to what other people think. I care about what I think. Well, it's mainly, it's mainly, it's, it's, I listen to get more of my film stance because I, yeah. I, I will always lean more by stats and, you know, into the analytics. What, what does players who look roughly like them from, a, from an athletic, from a production standpoint? And obviously when we get draft capital, and stuff like that to get an idea of where a player lies and what they could be because that's really what we're doing is you know where where film and stats really break off is they're both predicting a player's future outcome film is based on what they've seen from years past and what they know to be true and stats is basically just building off of previous profiles that have been successful or not and and that's you, my vetting process. You don't need to watch every, absolutely, yeah. and you don't need to watch everybody because you know what to look for. I pull, and I, I'm just I'm trying to create as much mm-hmm. comps for a player as I can to give an idea of what a range of outcome may look like, based on what I'm trying to filter out for a player, and trying to see where what we could expect from them. Yeah, and then I'll base my rankings off of though. I'll base my thoughts. I don't, we don't, I don't rank players. I tier mostly and then i my inside those tiers will fluctuate when we get massive new data combine draft capital and landing spot yep so let's talk about the combine for a second combine happens how are you incorporating that combine data then into that initial statistical look so i'm able to create the athletic profiles to them I'm able to start looking at athletic comps based on and also based with their production profile from college. I could get the the RAS score, the relatively the the relative athletic score, I think is what it is, um, which is another way to put their athletic numbers into a solo single number. And I track that. Um, I'm in the process of incorporating that. It's a lot of fucking numbers in it, and it, it also gives me even more potential prospects to look at and just throw in there. Um, and I start to build their complete profile. Cause at that point, once you get the athletic numbers, um, I take what I've learned from what I hear from my film guys. And then I, I take that into, I create my expectations and then I actually incorporate the combine numbers and start to get a feel even more so of what their projected draft capital is going to be. Cause that's, to me, if we're looking at a single metric point, the most important data point is where they were drafted. So 
combine still means a little more to me than most as I'm getting a, a more idea of what their athletic profile looks like. But just like with film guys, I'm checking off. I'm, I'm getting my internal checklist being checked off from an athletic standpoint. If these players are, are if what they saw on film is correct or, or if what I'm told is correct. Yep. Um, combine, I use in a lot of the same way. It's a confirmation tool and I use it to build athletic yep. profiles. Um, that's the second criteria. That's gate two of how somebody can qualify. Same type of thing. It's a comparison against NFL success baselines and looking at how those guys produce. For example, we did this. If you listen to last week's show when we had Anthony on, I pulled this out with uh, Traylon Burks, I think, in that four five five forty, and kind of did a quick look at, all right, well, that's actually faster than what a wide receiver should be at based on success baselines and went and looked at guys that range. It was some big names. You had Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins or two that really jumped off that list to me, but there were some big names there that that hit that. And that's where size adjusted speed score comes into play, not not 40 time. Because there are some big names that were at that 40 time. Um and that's really what we're trying to capture here, right? It's you build the profile and who are they they comparable to and me i'm not necessarily looking directly at player comps i'm just looking for do they clear what i would deem the minimum criteria to be to be have a chance at it being successful and for the combine it's the same thing there's a certain number of boxes they need to check based on their athletic profile for me to pay attention to their film and inversely if somebody doesn't check enough boxes then and i haven't watched their film yet because i just didn't get to it didn't have time whatever they may move down into my third tier film, which is the if I have time to watch you tier. Because um, I try to watch what I would deem tier one, tier two guys first. Those are guys that are higher up in people's rankings or they're getting a lot of a lot of hype around them or that scored, you know, especially high on some of these check boxes and then guys that barely qualify or qualify because they had a lot of volume and hit the counting stats or whatever but not because they hit any efficiency numbers, will go further down. Um, doesn't mean I won't watch them. It just means that they're going to go further down in my priority list to pay attention to. Um, so that's kind of how I'll fold the combine in. The other thing I'm looking at is if I have watched you by the time that happens, or even when I watch you later, I'm just trying to confirm what my eyes see. That's how it folds into the film side of it. If um, I'll use Isaiah Spiller and pick on him, not to... To start a debate, but it's basically this. I no, look, there's, I look, I, there's I, I no think we're on the same on side front. on Spiller. I think we're really on the same side. It's just where we have a ranked. Yeah, for so Spiller, um, I watched his tape and I saw the patience that people seem to like, but I also saw a lack of explosiveness. And he didn't run the forty at the combine. Okay, that's a little bit of a red flag. We'll see if he ducks it again in his pro day. But what he did do, explosiveness drills were really bad you don't have agility drills because the running backs just got told to go home but that's a way that i use that to to confirm on the flip side kenneth walker looked super explosive and then he tested that way so it's confirming what my eyes see so i have the film piece to talk about and then we'll talk about how we pull this all together because you know i'll riff on film for a minute and how I use that and then we'll go to 
if you have something else you want to say in your statistical piece before we get there, into how we live it all together. There is one more thing that Combine that the Combine does on top of the Senior Bowl and, and Pro oh, Day is we yeah. get measurables. Measurables are are very important for more of the analytical side because that that gives mm-hmm. us size. That gives us we may joke about BMI and hand size, but all that it it, 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 it all matters. helps build a profile of expectations. Like we won't pick on Kenny Pickett, but yeah. he has historically unprecedented small hands. And that has to be a part of his evaluation because he, he, that helps make him a unicorn prospect because he's the only other person with eight and a half inch hands that's been successful in, in the NFL is Michael Vick. And Kenny Pickett is a Michael Vick. So right. We need measurables from hand size, arm length, to weight, height, the creation of BMI that's going to give you your size adjusted speed score is a very important process to continue to build profiles because it gives us more benchmark numbers that we want to see players hit. And then that's how you start to kind of check off the boxes and move players up and down really within tiers. Indeed. Yeah, that is an important one. The other re- the other thing that I'll pay attention to after that is, and this is something new that I've kind of incorporated is, and I won't adjust somebody huge based on this, but I may file it away if I'm trying to break ties. What are teams saying? What What's <laughs> coming out of the combine? What are you, you know, we heard Ritter's a good interview and he runs a great 40. Well, guess what? That moved him up for a lot yeah. of people. So, you know, if we hear that somebody was terrible, we've seen their draft capital fall. So Carson Strong, Carson Strong. <laughs> yes. Well, Carson Strong, I already had down low anyway. We'll just, I know, we'll, but he's but, yeah, horrible interviewer apparently. Yeah, so we're gonna pay attention to that. Um, okay. On the film side of it, here's what I'm looking for because that's a piece I do that you don't necessarily. Sorry. Oh, hold on, hold on. You're caught in my headphones. <laughs> Hand it off the baby monitor. That's right. On Struggling. Air. On air. YouTube for the show. Um, right. So the way that I'll fold film in is this. I want to watch the guys that qualified statistically because I want to get that other piece of information. I want to watch the guys that qualified athletically because I want to see if it actually shows up. Because there are some guys that are good athletically that you know, it may or may not may or may not translate. John Ross, good example of this. Um, never translated to film. Granted, that he had some holes in his productivity and everything else, but you get it. Yep. Never translated to film. Um, guys like Cooper Cup or Hunter Renfro that have found some NFL success, rarities, but didn't show up in the metric side necessarily. At least not from an athletic profile side. Um. So I watch film again to confirm what the numbers say and to see if it translates. And there's certain qualities that I just like in players that I'm going to rate higher than others. You know, I want to see explosiveness. I want to see if you can translate that BMI into uh, running like you're that size. Samaj B. Ryan. Um, Nick was right about him. So, you know, I want to see that. And there's another set of categories of film that I'm looking at based on position for 
running backs, again, just what I'm watching right now, right? I want to see if you look comfortable catch, pass, catch, catching the football. I Your offense may not have schemed you that way, but I want to see if you look comfortable doing it. Even if you didn't get to do a lot of it, I want to see if you appear comfortable doing it. I want to see a block, because that's going to tell me if you're going to be on the field or not. I want to see if you can get the edge. So if you're a back, right, and you put up all this awesome productivity, well, are you doing most of it between the tackles? Can you get the edge? How do you look in short yardage? How do you look on the outside? How do you look in space? How does your burst look? Are you able to run through um, tackles? Or are you getting brought down on first contact with shoestring tackles and things like that? How's your balance look? Certain things that don't necessarily show up because there's always prospects, for example, running backs that may put together like a good athletic profile and a good, and again, these are corner cases, but may put together a good athletic profile, good productivity. And it's because their offensive line is parting the freaking Red Seas and they really can't create for shit on their own when there's nothing there. But their offensive line's parting the Red Seas. So are they going to have that type of offensive line in the NFL? Um, you know, I think Rashad Penny was a big one on that. And then, uh, Kalen Village was another one that a lot of people were high on that I looked at and I'm like, dude can't create. He's just running through holes that looks like Moses split them. So certain things I'm looking for on film to confirm that receivers biggest stuff I'm looking for is, can you separate? Um, how do you, how do your hands look? How's your body positioning look? Do you have some nuances down? And, you know, you may be thinking, well, you know, I'm not good at that. Well, you start to realize it after you've done this for, for five years or so, what kind of things you're looking for, what kind of things you're not looking for, you know, what is a vision of good, what isn't a vision of good. So I'm trying to pull that together. And then I'm throwing ratings on it, basically one through five, um, split up like this, terrible, below average, average, above average, elite. It's basically what what we're doing there. And then we're taking an aggregate of that to give somebody a film score. So that's how the film piece folds in for me. You have to qualify statistically. You have to have a good statistical profile. I don't consider myself just a film guy because I take the aggregate of both, but I want to see it on film too. Otherwise I'm going to rate you lower than the next guy that might've qualified with similar statistic, statistical metrics. All right. And I will say this too about you know, when it comes to film and it comes to, you know, you hear a lot of people say you have to, you have to be able to do both where you want to be able to watch film, taking stats. You can't just ignore one side or the other. Um, because I don't watch film, at least I don't aggressively watch film. I don't enjoy watching film. I get bored very, very quickly. I, I outsource my information like most people would that don't. To give myself an idea, I haven't built a film grade type of yet. I'm trying to work out how I want to do that yeah. and, and give myself through other people's eyes where a, f- a film grade might become. Um, so I can have a, a better look at it, just a singular number until I want to rank a player, but you don't have to just, you don't have to do both. You pick what side is your most comfortable and you run with it and you improve in that category. Ignoring the other side is where the fault lies. And you don't want to ignore one on the other side you know, fuck watching film stats or fuck, fuck these nerds is film all the way. Cause numbers and film will lie to you and you can make it whatever you want to make it. 
and just just you know yeah. bear that in mind to the people that are listening that maybe want to get into doing a prospect evaluation is don't just feel like you have to do both one other note on film and this is a pet peeve of mine also don't just watch highlights either watch somebody break it down or go find and unfortunately these have been harder to find this year because you know fewer people are doing it because it's a huge time investment but go find the cut up version of some of these college games they're out there go find where somebody cut up the snaps for the running back that you're watching and watch two or three of those. Cause that's how I do it. I'm watching two to three games, however long it takes me to feel comfortable with my analysis or see trends um, of any given player and go watch the cutout versions of it. Go cause you want to see the good and you want to see the bad. And all the highlights are is that they're highlights. You're only going to see the good or the bad, mostly the good on those. You're not going to get the whole picture. So don't just watch highlights if you're going to do film. Yeah, it. I mean, they're fun. Don't bake your analysis. Don't make your. Don't base your analysis on highlights. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes watching highlights is is fun to see what the explosive plays are going to look like. It's only part of. But the if picture. you're if you're solely basing your analysis off of highlights, that's when you are going to fall into traps. All right. So because we really don't release official rankings until post draft. Draft capital, I think we have the same opinion on, which is basically we're just looking to see if you get it. We're looking yep. to see if you get is a quarterback really day one, running back wide receiver really day two, day one, day two, um, and you know, or you know, sometimes if we had a high opinion of you, even down into the fourth or fifth round, you go seventh round, it's a red flag. Um, but there are, I mean, I, I really like a wide receiver, even if they slip to the fifth, I'm not going to dock them too heavily. Um, I, yeah, it's all looking at hit, you know, hit benchmarks on hit percentages. And Day they're going to go, beca- go lower very the dip- deeper you get. Yeah. It, it becomes very, very difficult for anything mm-hmm. beyond round three. And we've seen some trends round four for running backs have started to, to hit and that's the change in it with the NFL and how they evaluate and where they draft running backs. And when you start to see more teams heavily invest into, you know, into analytics, you are going to see less running backs drafted in the first round. Mm-hmm. And you have to adjust two, three, and four become a potential sweet spot. And for, for film guys, it's not as big of a deal, but for analytics with the history that we go off of, it wasn't much long ago where if if running backs weren't day two, you you just kind of ignore them. Mm-hmm. Like you don't fully, then they definitely become late round draft picks in your rookie drafts. But the hit rates are worse, and now we're slowly seeing round four specifically as a range that we can't just fully ignore if a running back gets. Yeah, it's basically round one for quarterbacks round. Uh, four or higher for running backs, around three or higher for for a wide receiver. Um, and then tight end, around five or higher that you're looking at is yeah potential. <laughs> tight ends are very hard to judge. They are that you're looking They're at very difficult. To... Uh, they are, but that's what you're looking at for your potential high pro- high probability hit spots. Not to say a fifth round guy won't hit, but it is to say that. It, your chances drop way down. So that's all we're looking at there is just where they drafted, where did they land? Because a fifth round guy that lands in a place with a lot of opportunity, 
you may read with some fourth rounders that might have landed in spots without great opportunity too. So yeah, it's 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 the kind of it's the final piece of the puzzle to help give it. We know draft capital is one of the most important pieces because we can look back at historically where where they hit. The big thing for me is is what opportunity looks like for them, and then what the NFL tells us. Like it, it's first round picks get a pretty large leash. You have money investment. You have invested into explaining to your fans why you took them in the first round your ownership, why you took this player in the first round. And that's why a lot of first round picks get bumped up more is because there's a longer leash to their profile. If they get injured and they're out for the year, it's not a death sentence. But if they're day three, a lot can change. You know, you look at a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, who who had had a historic end to his rookie year and really helped prop up where his profile should be moving forward, but he was still a day three pick and he was still a wide receiver that's going to see a, a bump in target competition. And if he gets hurt, what does that do to his future? So the, it's navigating through upside and ceiling, you know, compared to their, their floor and, and what type of risk are you willing to make? These quarterbacks are going to be the test of that. And super flex drafts because you're going to see a lot of people allocating first round draft picks in their rookie drafts to these quarterbacks. And there's a lot of risk with everyone, including Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter, who can't just lean on their running back, you know, or their, their rushing profile. You have to take in more into consideration. So a lot comes to it with DC. And that's why it's very important to, to us. Indeed. All right. Last piece. How are you pulling it all together? Put it all together. Draft capital really, really helps to uh, solidify my pre-draft. So during during the pre-draft process, I I I have been looking more and more at at industry mocks because the best the best way to project draft capital for players is where are these players being mocked in their in these mock rookie drafts from players that are plugged in to the NFL industry. Uh, the ones that are talking to owners and teams, the guys that have almost leverage in knowing what a team may or may not do. And that in DC just kind of helps solidify their entire profile. And that's how I kind of build into my tiers where I can look at a guy like Brees Hall and say with some confidence that there is a realistic chance he goes first round. And if he goes first round, like he is, his prospect profile is up there with, the best of Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley. And even if he goes high two, like we, it helps to really solidify it. Like how combine really reconfirms numbers of athletic, what you see in film DC does that for me when I'm looking at projected draft capital and I don't have to do much moving up and down. If, if it hits to where I think it will. Yeah. Basically for me, I wait multipliers to come up with an aggregate thing. So when I said that my, my model hates Malik Willis, for example, right? I am basically rating film lower than statistics and combine lower than film. So it's tiered. It's weighted. Statistics is still king. Um, and then film combine comes in and I'm basically aggregating those together into a number um, to give me an idea of what my model says about a player and then I'll adjust based on what I think and what 
what we're hearing, right? So an example of of that adjustment. Let's see how bad I had Willis here. I'd say Isaiah Spiller is probably, or Rashad White's probably the biggest one for running back. So I think the community likes him a lot more than the NFL, and that makes me very concerned. Yeah, um, and I haven't put together aggregates for for the for running backs yet, but for quarterbacks, um, Kenny Pickett came in at. Well, let's do Ritter versus. Yeah, we'll do Ritter versus uh, Willis. So Ritter, after I put it all together, his film, his um, his gate one percentage, which gate one, remember, is like your size intangibles, and um, so in your measure, your intangibles, your um, career productivity, your single season productivity, and then gate two is your combine productivity. So once I put gate one, gate two with film, um, he came in at. 287. So that's basically going to be that number is going to be film times 1.5, gate 1 times 1.75, um, gate 2 as uh, divided by 2 added together. So basically, I'm having the, per- I'm basically weighting this 1.75 for for metrics right 1.5 for film and then combine is coming in at basically 0.5 your overall athletic profile um and put pulling that together into a composite score and that has ritter at 287 and willis at 234 so quite uh, a range there that would actually put Willis down below Matt Corral for me. And it's mostly because the productivity wasn't there. That gate one percentage is something that really hurt Willis, but how did I, but Willis right now is my quarterback two? Fine picket. Yeah. With Ritter being my three. And that's because of what the NFL's saying. That's because of what came out of the combine about his workouts. That's what, because of what um, where he's being mocked. What we're hearing here to the ground on Malik Willis is that, you know, while the statistical profile isn't good, the athletic profile you don't have a lot of measurables on. The film profile was good, and everything we're hearing is good. So naturally, I'm going to rank him higher because of all of the good stuff that's flying around about him than what the model said. That's where I'll diver- diverge from it. Makes and sense. Not totally to turn out to just my opinion matters because I can't yeah. ignore what the NFL is saying. If the NFL is saying that, you know, Malik Willis is the guy we're hearing the most about and could even be the first quarterback taken. Yeah. He's getting plugged in. Like he's in at least that second tier and that's where he is with Ritter and Sam Howell. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because it's, it's, it's almost confirmed, not confirmed, but I think Willis will be the first, uh, first QB taken. It's really going to be between Pickett and Ritter, who's, who's second. And, uh, very interesting. And I got Pickett. Last change. Pickett barely came in higher, by the way, based on that model than, 
than Ritter. Uh, Ritter, yeah. And it was a lot of it was film. He just looks a bit better as a passer, and then a bit better of a statistical profile because he had that extra year. But he got killed on the combine numbers. Otherwise, he would have been up above three hundred. Anyway. <laughs> I like Pickett. I don't know. I mean, it's he's got small hands. Other than that, I like Pickett. I, I, I don't really. Yeah, and we'll and we'll and we'll dive into it. I I really don't have a, a strong opinion of, on any of these guys. I'm 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 liking Ritter more, but from a fantasy perspective, I I really have I've, eyes for two. And Ritter's really one it. of the few college quarterbacks I watched any little bit of before he hit the draft process, and I've always liked Ritter. So yeah, yep. All right, that's a show. Be sure to tune in next week. We're talking about something. Actually, what was going to be our free agent episode. So probably what we'll do next week is we'll probably look at the rest of free agency and then reset kind of uh, what teams still need, I guess. We're going we're gonna to do a needs heading into the draft, but really free agency should be mostly died down. So we'll probably go ahead and move that episode up and just reset on where teams are and and what they need ahead of draft time. So Yeah, and we'll, we'll probably get a guest on and we'll – We'll get some uh, ideas bounced around. I'm hearing Larky might return from his his Mid Atlantic <laughs> expedition. So sweet, Josh Larky on next week. So make sure you tune in for that. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> That's right. I am Beerfield Hop. He is Beerfield Thurry, and I will leave you with this. I will leave you with something. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, I don't got anything. <laughs> oh, by the way, hey, on the outro graphic, did you notice that uh <laughs> did you notice that uh our social media on the outro graphic has been uh wrong for No, I I don't even and I months and months. It it's it's because I I I I don't I don't look back to our, our stuff because I'm a terrible host or uh, a co-host and I hate the sound of my voice so I don't like to go back and open up the pages. Yeah, so <laughs> if you make it to the end of any episode the social media there has been wrong for two years now. <laughs> so it's I, been wrong. I probably, probably got to redo that graphic. <laughs> Still got all oh, we're so good at this. Before we rebranded, we are so. so good at this. I hesitate you, to put it up, but I will anyway. But none of the social media is right now. Uh, I remember what I was going to put for whatever reason. I was crossing my wrestling promise. So leave you with this from the bad guy: hard work pays off. Dreams do come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. See ya. Peace.